Welcome to Conversations for Life, a marriage and family podcast from Cross Life with hosts Jonathan and Kathleen. Each episode, we sit down and talk about the things that matter most to those that matter most to you. We're so glad you're with us today. Please pull up a chair and join in the conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Conversations for Life. We've been really excited about this episode for a while. So, Jonathan, you want to kick it off? Yeah, so, you know, there is an old movie, if you're an old fuddy-duddy like me, uh, called City Slickers that I saw when I was a kid. And, you know, kind of the main theme of the movie is, is these middle-aged guys who go out in the wilderness, and, and one of them is a guy played by actor Billy Crystal. You know, he's in search of just sort of trying to rekindle his sense of purpose in life. And, you know, he, he meets this old cowboy, and this cowboy just holds up his finger, and he says, you know, the meaning of life is this one thing. And, of course, the whole shtick is they don't tell you what that one thing is. And uh, we today, though, we're going to talk about kind of what I think is sort of the one thing that is so critical, not just about family systems, which we're going to keep talking about, but even just for life. And uh, so, Kathleen, what is that thing? What is that one thing we're going to be talking about today? (laughs) You're really putting me on the spot there. Uh, Well, today we're continuing where we left off with our last podcast about family systems, And today we're going to be talking about something called differentiation. So differentiation sounds like a term I would have learned in my health science class in (laughs) high school. So can you just break down for us, for us us normal, you know, uh, cavemen types out there, what does this big fancy word mean in in plain language? Well, you're definitely not a caveman type. It does kind of sound like worms reproducing or something. I don't know. Um, Yeah, and I hadn't heard of this term at all until I studied counseling in graduate school. But basically, it's a way of describing maturity. So within the family systems framework, which is what we've been talking about, differentiation is the goal for for individuals uh, within families, and it contributes to healthier families overall. And uh, Dr. Jenny Brown, who's one of the founders of the Family Systems Institute in Australia, has put it really well in her book, Growing Yourself Up, which is a great resource, uh, one that we'll highlight on our website. She says that differentiation, quote, refers to the ability to think as an individual while staying meaningfully connected to others. It describes the varying capacity each person has to balance their emotions and their intellect and to balance their need to be attached with their need for a separate self, end quote. That's That's a great introduction to the idea. So I'm just going to say that, break that down more slowly real quick, because I know yeah. if someone's in the middle of driving, they probably just blanked out and missed what we just said. <laughs> so yeah, it's a great book. It's called Growing Yourself Up, highly recommended by Jenny Brown. And in there, she defines differentiation as, as talking about the ability of a person um, to be connected to other people. So you're part of a community and, of course, part of a family. You have intimate connections with others, but at the same time, you don't lose yourself in those connections. You're able to be... Um, you're able to balance your own emotions and your own intellect in the, in the context of that, that, that relationship network. And so, you know, within that, we already see a tension. And Kathleen, can you just sort of highlight what that tension is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's good noticing that. So there is kind of a tension in differentiation. It's not a dichotomy. It's not an either-or uh, thing. These are not opposed to each other. But, you know, inherent in, in differentiation and in this looking at maturity There's the need for intimacy and togetherness and closeness, as well as the need for space to be separate, to be an individual. And this is the tension that we navigate as we grow up, you know, as we go from being newborn babies uh, to being adults who are leaving our childhood home. 
And then again, as we parent our own children, and that's what we, you and I, Jonathan, are doing right now, we're helping them uh, go through that process. And so, you know, as newborns, we're very dependent, necessarily so, and very intimate with our mother especially. And as we grow, we uh, start to develop more of an individual awareness and a healthy separateness that, as you said, allows us to have our own identity. It doesn't get lost but that's within uh, the relationships that mean a lot to us, that are our, our foundation. And so, um, you know, for those of us right now who have kids, we know full well how connected we are with our little ones. And that's to a degree that is both very sweet and irreplaceable, but it can also be really exhausting when we want a little space. Um, but it is definitely one of the challenges of parenting that as our children grow up, we work to, but to maintain both a good level of intimacy and relationship with them and we encourage them to grow into adults and to who God created them to be. So, you know, as they get older, we miss the baby, yet we find a light and pride in the growing child who's slowly becoming an adult. Well, and so let me just, you know, I think it, the term, as, I, as, I, as you've already kind of alluded to, is a little bit misleading. And honestly, if I could go back and talk to whoever invented it, I'd say maybe we can do a different term, just because <laughs> the word differentiation itself, just a base level, you may think, well, that just means becoming more different. And so it's all about me becoming me, me sort of glorying and discovering my uniqueness, my specialness, my, my, you know, what makes me so different from other people. And I think we see that in a culture a lot, but that's not what differentiation is. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I think the term does kind of make it sound... M- like you're emphasizing one side more than the other, that you're emphasizing the separate side more than the intimacy side. So, yeah, maybe you could talk to, to Bowen about that. But um, <laughs> So he's the one who made it up. Well, <laughs> Right, you can pick the bone with him. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, the point is definitely not being selfish, being fiercely independent or being demanding or overbearing. These are signs of very poor differentiation, Somewhat, especially like that fiercely independent. You know, you're missing half of the equation here. Um, half of what it means to be human um, is our relationships and our closeness and our intimacy with others. So, you know, being this lone wolf that sets off, um, that's not differentiation. And, um, yeah, so, it's, you know, I kind of think of it as a marriage between your individuality and your connectedness to those who matter to you. And, you know, if the forces in our families are pushing or forcing, forcing us in one direction or the other, you know, either toward this rabid independence or a clingy neediness, then something's wrong in the system. And, you know, as we mm. talked about last time, a system kind of keeps itself going because it's working for everyone somehow. Um, it's accomplishing something that everyone wants more than they want actual health in the family. But that's not good and it's not helpful. So maybe a few illustrations maybe that would help um, me and some others. So, you know, as I think about differentiation, let's talk about Batman, because, you know, who doesn't like <laughs> Batman? Right. And, you know, Batman is sort of the quintessential loner, right? He's just the guy who's, he does his own thing, and he's kind of the dark knight, and he's all, you know, brutish. And, and of course, the, at least as far as, as I know, um, the, the story of his whole becoming Batman thing is really rooted in the trauma that he experienced as a kid. And really, in a way, I mean, it's absurd in, 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 in any literal sense. If someone actually did this, we'd suggest they seek professional help. But in a way, of course, his whole persona as Batman is defined by that one moment of trauma. 
And it's fascinating from a sort of differentiation point of view that here's a guy who you might think sort of stereotypes the quintessential loner, the guy who, who is his own man, his own island, and no one really knows him. But at the same time, you see how much that trauma of losing those closest to him impacted him psychologically to the point where he was unable to have meaningful, deep connections with other people. That is really deep. <laughs> That's the first analysis of Batman the based on family. No, not even psychoanalysis, right? I mean, it's a, it's a different... Uh, psychological framework. So that's the first family systems analysis that I've ever heard of Batman. But I think that's, yeah, a really good point. And another interesting thing I would add is that, you know, I think that sometimes we think this is true strength. He's this loner. You know, he does his own thing. He doesn't let emotions and relationships get in the way. And because he's on his own, he can have this single-minded focus toward his mission. So this is true strength, you know. He, he, can, he can accomplish the most things, maybe. You save more people in the city um, because he's really emphasized his aloneness, his individuality. But um, that's not true. You know, the way that we're looking at... Um, our needs as human beings, our need for both individuality and connectedness and intimacy, you know, and this really resonates with what the Bible teaches about how God made us for relationship. You know, we're relational beings. We know God, we know others. You know, the the truest strength would be someone who is capable of forming deep relationships. That's, that's um, a sign of their own maturity and their own emotional strength as well as it's something that would give them more strength. So if Batman really wanted to be more effective in his work, I would say that... (laughs) He should go to therapy? (laughs) He should form meaningful relationships with others. (laughs) But but seriously, you know, that would be something that would both evidence a, a greater personal maturity and would lead to greater strength of character and of, um, of, of maturity. So. Well, and you know, once you start learning systems, you begin to see everything in systems. And not to go too meta here, but, but you know, with Batman, it's, it's, it'd be a fascinating thought experiment to think about, you know, in terms of a system, does Batman always let these villains kind of go? I mean, I know he arrests them, but, you know, the irony is, right, they always reappear. Joker, Joker always comes back. That Two-Face <laughs> always comes back. Does he need... The, the, the thought experiment is, does, does Batman need the villains to as much as, as they need him in a system where how could he be Batman <laughs> if the villains didn't exist, and how could the villains be villains without the Batman? And so yeah. it's a fascinating thought experiment about systems. <laughs> I think we're going down a rabbit trail, though. How about you talk to us about something from the Bible? Yes, that's good. Yeah, we, um, sure, yes, definitely. So a, a great example from Scripture about, about differentiation in terms of, I, I know it's not a perfect thing because we can't go back and, and study the details, but at least as far as we see in Scripture, uh, and I don't mean the apostle Paul, who was Saul and then became Paul. I mean Saul in the Old Testament, who was the first king of Israel, anointed by Samuel. And his story's in First Samuel. And you know what's fascinating about Saul is, although we can't really know everything about his life, but we only see what we see in Scripture, I think he exhibits a lot of the basic criteria for someone who, I think, shows a lot of signs of, of low differentiation. You know, there's one episode in 1 Samuel 13, for example, where he is waiting. He's supposed to be waiting for Samuel to come and make this sacrifice before they go to war against their enemies. And he's just the king. He's not the anointed priest. He's not ordained to make the sacrifices, but he does because he's, he's worried Samuel's late and he panics. 
And you know, one of the signs of, of someone with low differentiation is that in moments of stress or pressure, they kind of act out of self-protection and they act in a way that's almost kind of, um, I don't know, out of their insecurity or, or their inadequacy. And so that's what he does there. And then as a result, of course, Samuel comes and he asks him, what have you done? And he tells him, I was afraid. And, and so I did the sacrifice. And really, if you follow Saul's life, that seems to be a pattern with him, that whenever he gets into a moment of stress or pressure, or he kind of doesn't know what to do, he kind of resorts to this kind of level of, of fear and insecurity and acting out of self-protection. And you know, with differentiation, as, as you read about earlier from Jenny Brown's quote, you know, it's part of it is being able to kind of be sure of who you are and mm-hmm. being calm uh, because you you know you're not you're not easily changed by the moment to moment situations around you. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, well, I think that's a great point because um, differentiation or you know maturity is something we may feel really accomplished at when things are going well in our lives. You know, if everything's going according to plan, everything's low stress, life is just working for us. We're thinking, wow, I'm pretty mature. I'm doing great. I'm really living according to my values. I'm balancing connectedness and independence and my emotions and my thoughts. I'm really pleased with myself. And that's a good thing, but it's when we're in the midst of great stress that our functioning facades just start to break down. So our true maturity level begins to show when things are not going our way in the mm. midst of stress or grief or during tragedy or just you know, big changes and events in our life and our family's life. Um, so the example of Saul really shows how he can hold it together when things are going right. But as you said, he panics under pressure and his real self comes out. Yeah, and also with Saul, you know, frequently the reason he gives at the base level is basically people-pleasing. You know, I do it because, you know, they, they needed things. And another example is when um, they go and they, they, he's, he's commanded to go and attack the Amalekites and to wipe them out. But instead of doing what he's been commanded to do, um, he lets the, the, the livestock go and, and the king. And he basically tells Samuel, who comes to him and says, what have you done? He says, well, look, I was afraid. And, and so I let, you know, I let my soldiers keep this stuff. And so here he's the king. You're thinking, why are you afraid? You're the king. But over and over, we see that when he's in these moments of panic, he often reverts to sort of this fear of other people and what they're going to think about him. And then when you contrast that with his son, again, it's not perfect. We don't know everything about Jonathan's life. Jonathan is his son. And Jonathan is the opposite. You know, he's a guy that whenever he's, whenever his identity, if you want to use that word, is being challenged, he sticks to who he knows he is supposed to be. Mm. He sticks to his principles. He sticks to his, his faith. And, and so, you know, with, with, with regard to David, when his own father is threatening to kill David, you know, Jonathan could, could, out of fear to please his father, revert to doing what he knows he's not supposed to do, what he knows he, he shouldn't do, but he does it. He does the opposite of his dad. He sticks to his integrity, even in those situations. Hmm. And at the same time, I should add, he doesn't outwardly flaunt, like he's not doing this out of some sort of rebellion against his dad, and, yeah. you know, he ends up dying with his dad. So he remains loyal to his father as a good son, while at the same time being true to who he's supposed to be as a faithful uh, believer and as someone who has integrity and righteousness. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan is one of the better examples of a human being in in Scripture. It is quite mature and, yeah. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's a good name. I like it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, you know, when, when one person in a family 
like Jonathan, when he begins to sort of, <laughs> ironically enough, and this is something that, you know, when you're a kid, at least when I was a kid, you just haven't kind of assume adults have it all together, right? They're, they're just, they're the adults. And then as you get older and older, you know, depending on a person's life, they begin to realize, oh, you know what? Adults don't have it all together. Mm-hmm. And, and Jonathan's a great example of someone who, who basically becomes more mature than his own dad. Yeah. And he becomes, you know, to use a technical term here, he, he has a higher level of differentiation. And so it's fascinating then to see kind of how that his, his increasing level of maturity is, creates stress in that family system. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Uh, it can really be a tricky business because... Uh, differentiation tends to threaten an unhealthy system. You know, so a syst- the family system is like this, organ- this organism um, made up of the relationships, all the interdependent relationships within the family. And it, so it kind of takes on a life of its own, and it's very hard to make changes. And it's also self-regulating. In other words, it works to keep itself going. So everyone uh, has their role, and they feed into that role, and, and that keeps the same patterns repeating over and over and over again. And again, even if people don't really like it, but this is just what is done, and this is what people are used to and comfortable with. It's the Batman the villains. Right. It produces (laughs) some sort of result that that feels uh, like it can't be changed. And Mm -hmm. um, so as you're growing and changing and differentiating, um, that disrupts the status quo of the system, and there are ramic- ramifications for that. And you may have experienced that in your own life. When you start to grow, uh, you start to mature, you're feeling really good about this, you know, in a good way. Um, you're, you have, like, a good level of pride about that and excitement about, you know, how God is changing you or, you know, just things going on in your life. And you tell a family member, or you, you're, this is being demonstrated to a family member um, just in how you're living, and you're thinking they're going to be very excited for you because, you know, you're maturing, you're growing up, this, the, these changes in you. You know, for me, when I became a Christian, I started changing so much, and, um, and so you're thinking they're going to be really happy for me. They're going to be so excited. They're going to see mm. this in me, and they're just going to be thrilled, and they're going to be, like, cheering me on. We're in this together. And that might not be what happens. You know, in a healthy system, in a healthy family, absolutely. And, you know, I hope that we all have some kind of experience of that with family members or friends. But in an unhealthy system, uh, that might not happen because you're kind of threatening other people's roles in the family. And so if you're maturing and and they aren't at this point in time, they they might not like that so much. And um, there's a book by Ellen Montgomery, who was the author of the Anne of Green Gables books, it's called The Blue Castle, and um, I just read this a few months ago, and I really loved it, and I was really struck by how well she described family systems in this book, and I don't know that she intended to do so, but just her observation of the family within this book was so accurate and um, so interesting, and so in, in the story, the main character is named Valency, and she's just this dull, uninteresting girl, or so everyone supposes that everyone in the extended family just loves to look down on, um, loves to just kind of pick on, and she's like the scapegoat for all kinds of things. She's not married, which in this setting is unusual because she's in her late 20s. And so this just accentuates her identity as the outcast. And her mother controls her, won't let her go where she wants or read what she wants. You know, you're reading this book, and it's almost difficult to read because it's just so maddening. How can Mm. anyone treat someone this way, and how can everyone put up with it? You just think, like grow a spine, you know, and, and Valency, well, she hates it, but 
she can't imagine defying them and busting out of the little box that they've put her in. She can't imagine that she actually is someone different from how they treat her until she gets a terminal diagnosis. And then at that point, that shakes her so completely that she starts changing. She starts taking some risks and making some changes in how she interacts with people that she would never have done before, but she's dying, so who cares, you know, might as well. And um, her own personal changes start shaking up the system, you know, basically blows up the family system. And she Mm. finds there's a new woman inside of her, and she likes that woman. Um, But her family is furious. They're so upset. Her mother thinks she's gone insane or that all her work raising her daughter has been for naught because now she's being so rebellious, you know, deciding what to read and what to wear and where Mm. to go. And um, they're desperately trying to force her back into this little hole that they've kept her that's kept everything um, so comfortable for them in in the system. And it's not working and they're panicking. Of course, everything is her fault. And so the book ends very well. I, I really recommend it. It's lovely. Um, and some of the other members of the family do start to grow and change and mature themselves. They're starting to differentiate throughout this story, although most of them do not. <laughs> and they don't really understand her um, as she changes and really just blossoms into a completely new person that you end up really liking in the end of the story. And that's pretty realistic. So, um, you know, that some people in a family will just not like this, or it may take them time to adjust, and with time, they may be able to see you in a new light, um, maybe able to accept kind of your new role or your new place in the family, and, and some, um, some will be excited, and some will be inspired by what you've done, and um, that they could work on their own lives, and um, either way, you know, growth and maturity is good for you, and it's good for the family it challenges them and shows them something better. Well, and I think you, as you were talking, the thought that came to my mind is just, um, you know, the challenge in that system is I'm thinking about who were those parents, you know, what, and I, I haven't read the book, but you know, what happened in their lives that they had to be so controlling because clearly, you know, in that system, the parents felt they had to be controlling because uh, I don't, I don't want to overanalyze it, but, but clearly they needed something from that daughter to be that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, what I have realized over time is that so many adults are, not to go back to it, but they are Batman, meaning that they experience a life as a growing up and, you know, things happen as in every life things happen. And so many adults get stuck in, you know, the pains of their past, the traumas of their past, even the systems of their past that were so limiting and that has disastrous consequences for their own parenting. And you know, Dr. Zink said in our class, and I think it was just a brilliant thing, that you can never lead somewhere where you have not been yourself. And no parent will say, I want my kid to grow up to be an immature person. You know, that I, I want my kid to grow up to be emotionally unhealthy or, or to have issues, you know, with having stable relationships. And I don't want my kid to flourish. Everyone would say, no, I want my kid to flourish, to, to experience vital, vital relationships and a healthy life. And, of course, as Christians, we certainly would say, you know, I want my, my, my children to grow up to be mature believers in Christ. And what we have to realize, though, is, is take stock of ourselves. Are we mature believers? Are we, are we growing? And, there, and as, I think Bowen was famous for saying that he himself some days is sort of okay with differentiation, but most days, yeah. you, know, it, it, you know, he himself recognized that, 
that I think because he didn't say it this way, but because of the fall, because of sin, no one is going to ever be done with this process. It's an ongoing process of becoming a more highly differentiated person. And so to me and to others as adults, I think our challenges as parents is if we want our kids to grow up to be flourishing and healthy and have vital emotional you know, relationships with other people, and, and then we have to be that ourselves because we can never take them where we haven't been. Yeah, absolutely. And just thinking about, you know, you talked about um, the parents. We, what are they? What are their motivations for the way that they are parenting? And you know, we we have to think about that with our own parents. Our parents all came from a place, right? They came from a family system. Right. That influences them. And I think it's good to be able to see that nuance. Uh, mm. What we're we're not saying here. Uh, your parents ruined your life and now you should hate them. <laughs> Not at all. You know, for most people, your parents did the best they could with what they had, what um, they were given from their family of origin and what they were able to accomplish as far as maturity and growth in their own life um, and then passing that on to you. And so it is important to um, to, to have that sort of compassion for our parents and and you know, grandparents and, and whoever else was part of our family system and part of raising us, um, you know, they were human beings too. They are human beings too. And they're broken in certain ways. They're injured, wounded in certain ways. They're also sinners just like us, you know. So we bear responsibility and we know that we've also been hurt by others. So we're not saying that adults are not responsible for their behavior. Um, you know, kids grow in the capacity to think about their relationships and be more reciprocal and responsible for that. Hmm. But adults can definitely never blame children for their behavior. Hmm. And I do want to just add as an aside, you know, there are true evils like a child abuse. You know, this is, um, we're not condoning that. Just because someone had a bad childhood does not mean it excuses their perpetrating abuse or any right, kind of right. evil and wickedness on somebody else. And so if you experienced abuse in your family growing up, that is a terrible, wicked thing. It never should have happened. You never should have experienced that. You did not deserve it, and it's not your fault. And you know, I hope that you have people speaking these sorts of things into your life, including um, a counselor, if if that was your experience. Um, so, you know, what I'm saying here is just that we all affect one another, um, and so it's good to remember that when we think about our own families of origin and our own you know, larger families. Well, and I know we're about out of time. And so I, I just want to say this maybe as a hint for a future podcast. I think differentiation, and, and even though it's a term that I don't like, I think the concept is vital to a healthy marriage. Because I mean, what we just talked about with, you know, differentiation being, being the ability to really connect intimately with other people while at the same time being able to to, to, you know, be, be secure and to know who you are and, and have integrity and principles in and of yourself. These are the building blocks of a healthy marriage. And, and so I think maybe sometime we can even do a podcast on, different, on, on differentiation in marriage. Oh, yeah. But um, this has been great. And I, I think it's been, 
for me, it's been fun to think about Bible people in this lens, and, and I'll be continuing to do that. And of course, Jesus is the ultimate example of the most perfectly differentiated person that there ever was. And if yeah. you think about it, uh, we won't go there today, but if you think about it, you know, he he is the one who ultimately loved everyone more than we could ever understand, and also the one who who never wavered, who never wavered from who he is and who he's called to be and what he's called to do, even after not eating for forty days in the desert. I mean, you know, if anyone has shown uh, integrity and stick to it's Jesus in the desert mm, and yeah. on the cross, of course. Yeah, so we'll probably get into that in our next episode. Fun stuff. Yeah, so um, this was part two of our Family Systems uh, podcast. So Part two? Part two. So we'll be moving on to part three next, and uh, we hope that you'll tune back in because we're going to be talking about what are features of someone who is who has this maturity, this level of differentiation. So we'll just be discussing what that looks like. All right. Well, everyone have a good night, good morning, wherever you may be. Take care, and God bless. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. If you'd like to find out more information or get additional resources, please visit our website at www.crosslifetoday.org. You can also find us on Facebook as Cross Life Resources and on Instagram. Until next time, take care and God bless.